0: Welcome to Minute 86 of the Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into the Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is J-Dub of Dovetism. Welcome to the show, J-Dub.
1: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just for everyone to know, me and J-Dub, we've known each other for years online. First time, we're actually having a conversation that that isn't uh, done via typing. So, you know, it's it's good to finally have have a one-on-one conversation. And uh, we're going to talk about, you know, this movie that uh, we both seem to enjoy a little bit, or maybe a little more than a little bit. So episode 86 begins with Hiltz responding to Ramsey's query and goes all the way till Roger responding to Danny. So as we discussed uh, on Friday... Basically, we were dealing with the booze on July 4th. Hiltz is moving around and walking walking between the, the various uh, prisoners, starting up little conversations here and there. And then he comes to where Ramsey and Roger are, are are sitting or standing, and they, they start discussing also. And part of the problem is, is they really don't have much to say to each other, basically. The, the last episode ended with Ramsey saying, uh, so how are you managing over there without us? Are you getting along all right? Are you? Then we we, we get Hiltz's response was, uh, yeah, we seem to be getting along all right. Sure, sir. You know, showing that the booze is already starting to take a little bit of, uh, of an effect. Now, I don't know about you, but but I think it's, it's a little too quick for, for all of these characters to start feeling a little uh, tipsy-turvy. From this uh, moonshine that they've they've created, uh, I, I don't know. Are you are you a drinker? Uh, well,
1: that depends on who's listening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm I'm not I'm not averse to it. No, my point is is that that what do you know about moonshine? Um, <laughs> I know that it's illegal in a lot of states, and I know that it uh, bro- brewed properly uh, tends to pack a wallop, and I'm sure that when you're in a German POW camp, you are down to um making your own alcohol that may or may not um bore your vision quite a bit so um i don't know um i don't know if i can agree with the uh, idea that it might have been too quick for them to start showing the effects i don't know exactly what they're drinking it could have been could have been based on lighter fluid i don't
0: know i uh... well no we we know it's made from potatoes okay so so it is some sort of potato vodka. okay that's assumption Again, I, I don't drink. I've never, never enjoyed it. So I, I don't, I'm not an expert on it. You know, I've gotten drunk once in my life and I broke a door, uh, which <laughs> is a story for another, another time. And I actually so, remember, I still recall after it was, I think this was 25 years ago. I still recall the thoughts in my mind that I was doing something sane by kicking in the door. I don't know why I ended up breaking the door and had to, it took, it, it cost a lot to get it fixed because it was well, in the uh, in a rental. That's what alcohol does. But uh, that's a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it wasn't, it wasn't just a few minutes after I started drinking. Now we don't know how long Hilts has been drinking, because you know he's been uh, taking swigs all morning, or even from the night before. So it is possible that he's a little slurred in his speech already. I don't know. It, it to me, it just seems a little bit fast <laughs> for this to take effect. Well,
1: I, when I when I watched this minute of the film, I had I had two keywords in mind, and and one. Which is a little bit of a departure of what we're talking about. This tension, because you can see in this scene that something is about to happen. It's it's not it's not clear yet, but you just have a feeling that, that something something is up. And then,
0: well, that's probably because of the music. Also, the music you know gets very somber here, where the, the musical tones are trying to to tell us something. That's,
1: that's very true. Which it, the music and and the general mood. Just gave me the uh, the sense of the threat of imminent discovery because that's just it feels like yes. that's what we're building to. So um, speaking of imminent discovery, um, based on what you said about uh, your drinking and experiences with um, doors and my um, non denial denial, and we could we could just right now start the idea one day for our own <laughs> podcast called Stories for Another Time, which may or may not be incriminating. So. <laughs> <laughs> Could you, know, you got me interested in wanting to hear your story again? <laughs> stories for another time. Episode two: <laughs> The Bail Bondsman. You know. <laughs>
0: all right, I got you there. Right. So, I mean, the, the the funny thing is, is on the one hand, it's possible. Okay, let's take into consideration that. All right, this is really heavy duty stuff, and and uh, that Hiltz has been drinking a little more than he should be for a longer time than everyone else. Okay, he's going to get a little slurred speech. But but the idea here is, is that these, these characters have nothing to say to each other. You know, if they're not talking about digging a tunnel or finding a way to get out of the camp, you know, chit-chat is just not their thing. You know, they're talking about, you know, how how are you getting along? How are the colonies getting along? You know, it, it, it's not something uh, – it, it shows that, that that they have very little in that, common. That's, that's true.
1: They, they very much – don't Well, one, you, you hit the nail on the head that they, they don't have that common thread. And two, since they don't have that, they don't really understand what I like to call the lubricating value of small talk, you know. Um, yes. And so they have that awkwardness. But in my mind, the awkwardness helps build what I said earlier about the threat of imminent discovery, that their awkwardness may or may not be coming from that lack of common ground. It's that they all kind of know something's up. And they don't want to give the Germans any assistance in finding what they're trying to find, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, maybe it could be from the perspective that, that okay, you know, maybe it's not the smartest thing to get six hundred or however many prisoners are in the camp drunk, the <laughs> days before they're they're about to, to, to break out of the camp that someone might actually slip up when they're having a little too much to drink. Uh, uh, yes, you know if this is really, if this is really potent. <laughs> that that could be a problem. Well, yeah, I mean,
1: you know, nobody makes um, should we say, you know, there's there's such a thing in this world as light beer. Nobody makes light moonshine, you know. Moonshine, what you don't drink, you could use to clean the grease off your engine. It's it's pow- powerful stuff.
0: Yeah, I thought the whole idea of moonshine was is that it could also be used as gasoline. And, mean, and
1: yes it can be. That's <laughs> what alcohol-based fuel is, more or less. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Ethanol, exactly.
0: right? That's what it's called. Yeah, all right. So yeah, again, I'm not familiar with that, type of stuff. and I'm not trying to cover up any other stories because I don't have any, I really don't. But but what's what's interesting is during this conversation, the the facial expressions of these characters are great because you can see how uncomfortable they all are. Everything that 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 they're talking about here, like Roger has a really strange look on his face, and you know he will like smirks at them for no no apparent reason. Maybe that's also the moonshine talking. You never know. And then Ramsey looks, like, looks a little strange, and, and he actually gets tongue-in-cheek. You know, you, you can literally say, you see his tongue, you know, uh, <laughs> moving around in his mouth, that, that, you know, moving from cheek to cheek, that he just doesn't have anything to say. And then his response is basically, uh, yeah, well, uh, you know what? This, this is good stuff, Hiltz. Which basically shows that, again, he's trying to change the conversation because he doesn't know what to say. Well, and that's, see...
1: That's That hits something that I picked up, too, and that is, uh, as a bit of a tangent, one of my favorite movies of all time is 2001. And if you've ever seen 2001, you notice that that movie has large, large stretches in it when there is absolutely no dialogue. I, I think you go, what, like 25 minutes before you hear the first spoken word in that movie? And in this movie, this scene... Spoken from a human. Spoken from a Spoken, spoken from a human. human. Well, yeah, because the first <laughs> scene is you know the the cavemen beating each other with the bones monkeys. and all that. I, well, I don't want to call them monkeys, but yeah. yeah. Anywho, um, there's almost no dialogue in this scene, and what you said, a lot of it is just uncomfortable and 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 staggers along, and it leads to these great these great performances because you know you look at the cast in, in that scene. That that scene, that one minute, has a better cast than a lot of movies made in in, you know the last thirty years. I mean, you got you got Bronson, you got McQueen, you got Attenborough. I mean, that's that's three pretty heavy
0: hitters right there. Yes, no question about that. And so, Uh, but the whole. Has has a list of heavy hitters.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, we're talking, we're talking the three, four, five hitters in a major league lineup here because, you know, of course, I'm the sports guy. That's what I do. But I mean, just, I mean, think about it. Just those three guys. I mean, yeah, okay. I know the rest of the movie has a lot of great, a great, um, one of my personal favorites is, is, uh, James Garner, who, you know, comes along later in this, in this conversation. But, um, you know, just the way those guys interact with each other. With the awkward speech, the, the 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 awkward just in general situation, it just you know, that was three great guys to have in that scene because they pulled it off incredibly. You're, you're very right.
0: I mean, now who who would you say? All right, if you're if you're ranking them in your batting order, who's who's your batting? What's your batting? What's your your number? What's your let's say four or five hitters? Uh, in the whole movie or just just this? Who's, you, who's your leadoff? No, and uh, whichever you prefer, you want to do the whole movie, do the home movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, actually, you know what? Give us both. Uh, Give us both. It's, well, I, I, I would say, you know, I mean, in,
1: in, in, is the camp Commandant a right-handed or a left-handed pitcher? I mean, that's gonna make make a
0: difference. Um, <laughs> I I think he's right-handed. Okay, yeah, uh, but, but again, we don't know about we don't know if any of these characters are are left-handed though. Okay, well, I, I, I didn't pay that much attention to what they're doing. Whether any of them are left handed Sorry. Either way, the guy, the guy that's. They're, they're all switch hitters. How's that? That works. Okay.
1: Just give us the flexibility to be <laughs> uh, Either way, to me, the, the guy that you always, or at least for my money, you can't take your eyes off of in the whole movie is Steve McQueen. There is just something about yeah, that okay. guy that, you know, everything in my mind revolves around him. And sure. then you go from there. You know, I mean. But, so, so that means you would say that he's, a, he's your leadoff hitter? He's my cleanup hitter. He's the guy I got in the middle of the He's your cleanup. Yeah. Everybody else was setting the table for him to hit the, hit the, the,
0: the big home run. Exactly. Um, all right, so who's your leadoff then? Well, that's tough.
1: Um, uh, you know what? I, I mentioned him earlier. Uh, he's in, not in a lot of the scenes that we're going to talk about, but James Garner, you know. Okay, that makes sense. And then you're number two? Number two is a guy that you want that can do a lot of things depending on the situation. So I, I gotta go Attenborough number two. Alright, and number three? Gonna go off script a little bit here, but the guy that plays the German, the German, um, Commandant, the guy that discovers the stove later on. Van Luger.
0: Yes. Well, you're talking about Strachlitz. No, you're talking about chocolates. Yes. No, there's, Luger and Strachwitz. Strachwitz is the one who finds this. Right. Okay. So you're putting Strachwitz in there. All right. Okay. That's that's interesting. And then you got uh, McQueen as the cleanup hitter. Mc- 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 All right. That's we're not going to go through the whole lineup. That's fine. That's stretching it. You know, once 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 we we get to the cleanup hitter, we're good.
1: Yeah. Nobody cares who the third okay. guy out of the bullpen is. So
0: yeah, let's go. <laughs> it's probably Bozo. <posing, laughs> you know, yeah, one of the other German guards. <laughs> uh, yeah. What? If, you never yeah. know. Okay. So. Exactly. Moving right along. Right. Basically, uh, uh, we see that how uncomfortable they are, and none of them want to be in that particular space of where they are right now. And then, (laughs) he just like looks up, and then just abruptly walks away, which which is really funny the way that he does it. I mean, that's one of the things that I love about the way that he plays his character. He plays him in a very quirky way throughout the entire movie. Um, and, and he does things that you wouldn't expect a character to do. He makes different facial expressions and motions and stuff like that. And this is a perfect example of that. You know, he just looks up and then walks away. <laughs> you know, stage left. That's it. <laughs> At this point, then uh, the scene switches and we get to see your number three hitter, Shockwitz. <laughs> Walking around in the barracks with Werner and another guard behind him. I think it's Frick, if I can see it properly but what's, what's what's strange is that they're walking in a very secretive way they' they're, <laughs> they're 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 overdoing it a little bit because you know they're allowed to be where they are. They don't have to be hiding but they're they're walking somewhat stealthily and secretly which which it, to me it, it bothers me a little bit to see that they're doing it this way because it's as if they're they're checking around to make sure that 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 nobody's going to see them in there. But again, this is their job. They're supposed to be going around and looking around and trying to find what they're doing. I mean, the the book that this is based on discusses it intensely about all the different things that the German guards did in order to try and find the various tunnels that were being dug or to to stop them. I mean, you had guards that it was their job to do so many different things to check, to make sure that, that, you know, that, that nobody is... Putting dirt in different places and stuff like that, but on the other hand, you also have they, they would they would drive trucks around the yard to try to collapse any particular tunnels. They would stick poles down into the ground, you know, to try to discover air pockets where they were doing uh, tunneling. So, I I find it hard to believe that they're going to walk into this barracks in a way where they're hoping not to get caught. Well, you know, it's well, strange it, to me the thing that. While I'm watching
1: this, I'm watching or I'm thinking of another prisoner of war movie, Stalag 17, and you know in that movie, great great in that movie you have that's playing the spy. You don't know he, you don't know he's the spy until Ah. later. But you know,
0: spoiler alert for anyone who's never seen Stalag 17. Well, you know, I'm I'm sorry, (laughs) you
1: know, 70 years too soon. I'm sorry. I mean. (laughs) <laughs> any anyway um what what the germans in this scene are doing is that in one way i think that they're trying to establish that they want you to know that they're looking for something and they have reason to think they know and but on the other hand there's nobody really around to see them um i think i think there's just a lot of establishing going on at this point because Um, you know, like I said, my, my whole thought of this, this scene was the threat of imminent discovery. So they, they seem to me like they don't exactly know what or where, what they're looking for or where it might be. They just know it's somewhere in there and they don't know. You know, if we find it that these guys booby trapped this, uh, you know, or, you know, what, what are we actually looking for? What's going to happen? So the threat of imminent discovery actually cuts a little bit both ways. The guys who are digging the tunnel are worried the Germans are going to find it. And the Germans are worried, well, if we find this thing, how do we know they didn't rig something to kill us when we discover it? That's
0: a very good point. Uh, I, I didn't think about that fact. Cause, cause what Strachlitz does is he walks in the room and he starts stomping on the, on the floor, which, which, is is pretty clever, you know. He's looking for for something that sounds a little hollow. But there's also the aspect that if he stamps a little too hard, he might go through the floor. Uh, if that's what they did, you know, if they if they have a tunnel underneath one of the boards. That's uh, that. I, what I love about this this scene is that it keeps switching from inside to outside. First, we see the three German guards inside the the barracks. Then it quickly jumps outside while they're looking around. It jumps to the outside where we see Danny right outside. The, the barracks. He apparently saw them go in. You know, he's standing there. There's Charles Bronson, your your number five hitter, I guess. Oh, absolutely, yeah. He's he's standing there, keeping an ear open, trying to to listen to what's going on inside. He he's aware that something's uh, going on. It, it would have. It, what's interesting is that they don't show us him seeing them go into the barracks. That that would have been a nice little shot if they, you know, if he just saw them in the in in the corner of his eye, you know, go in. Like, how does he? 'Cause they never establish how he knows that they're in there. You know, obviously you must hear them. But if they're trying to do this selfly they're not trying to make too much noise. Well that that's
1: true. Um but I also think that that, you know, part of a lot of what's not being seen is is an is an exercise in you know, when you when you talk about the inside to the outside shots, you know, inside the Germans, they're kind of looking around for something, and every time they make a noise, you cut to the outside to see a reaction shot from the prisoners because you know they don't know what they're looking at, and the Germans aren't under aren't sure what they're going to find, and so everybody's really unsure. And I think that that way of of framing those shots kind of lends to that.
0: Yes, they, they they do a great job of that, but but also the the, the editing here is amazing because. You can, you know, because of the way they switch back and forth. You know, you have Danny standing there trying to listen while everyone's making a lot of noise behind him because they're all getting drunk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're having a drunken party outside. And while he's just standing there, you, you see Willie come over, you know, and brings him, brings a cup of booze, which, uh, you know, I've, I've always liked the fact that, that we see how close of a friendship these, these two characters have. You know, they're, they're the epitome of characters who show throughout the entire movie, that that they're not selfish and that they're, they're not in anything for themselves. You know, they work together on everything. You know, we had the point weeks ago where one of them just gives him the other one cigarettes in order to use them. You know, he takes cigarettes out of his own pocket and gives it to him in order to to, to help start, start something. You know, he gives him his jacket, you know, different things along the way. And obviously later on in the movie, uh, we, we definitely get to see what their close friendship does when they're when they're getting ready for the escape and stuff like that. So I just I thought it was a nice touch to have Willie run over and give him a cup of coffee and, and or a cup of booze. Sorry. It looks like it looks like a coffee well yeah thing,
1: and I mean possibly. you know for for a little bit of foreshadowing for what's coming up. I mean if you're familiar with my blog and all, one of the one of the things I do when I talk about movies is the hidden sports analogy. And when you talk about everybody's a team, when you first suggested this movie to me, that was the first thing that came into my head was okay, this is probably one of the best quote-unquote team sports movies ever made, even though it's not about sports, because whether you're trying to get a runner over from third or whether you're trying to hit a sacrifice fly or what, whatever you're trying to do in sports, the idea of getting 600 guys out of a German prison camp isn't going to happen unless they all work together. So that's yes. leading from that was, okay, so where am I going to find – good sports analogies that aren't just like, well, these guys are a pretty good team. I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of obvious, you know? So, <laughs> you know, that's that that
0: was my first challenge when you when you proposed this idea to me. Okay, so you want to tell everyone what your sports analogy is for, for this particular episode? Or, or do you want us to, to just quickly finish the, the episode and then touch it? I mean, will, will you touch upon things that, that we haven't gotten to um, yet? Or... No,
1: actually, I'm going to oh, shift gears a little bit because we started talking about uh, baseball, but um, my my hidden sports analogy here involves basketball. So if you wanna you wanna wrap up our thoughts here, and then I'll come back to that because I'm pretty sure I can put a bow on everything with
0: this. Okay, that that works. So so basically, you know, Willie comes over, gives uh, Danny the the booze, and Danny sort of shushes him because he's still trying to trying to figure out what's going on. And then once again, we go back inside. We see Strachwitz a little perturbed that he hasn't been able to find anything. And then he sits down on the bunk, raises his hat, trying to figure out what's going on. You know, he knows something is is, is amiss here. He's not really sure what it is. And then uh, once again, it switches back to the outside where where Danny actually walks over to Roger to tell him that something is going on. He goes, Roger, there's goons in 105. Mm -hmm. Roger's response is, uh, "Who?" You know, I guess I guess that 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 goes to the how uh, to what level do we need to be concerned, you know, at this point. So Danny responds to Strachwitz. We get Roger's response where he says he turns to him and says we have to, and then the minute actually gets off at that point. So we don't. Well, we'll have to wait till tomorrow to find what what happens after he says we have to. Okay so why don't you give us your hidden sports analogy for episode 86
1: Okay you led me you led me right up to it perfectly because we have to wait to and then we get cut off this reminded me of a time way, way back in my life. This was, this was the uh, moment where you're waiting to see who made the team in eighth grade basketball. You know, mm-hmm. you, <laughs> you, because the way it's put together, nobody knows what's going on. I mean, okay, first of all, you got the four or five guys over there who are in the eighth grade are already six foot five. You know, they're making the team. You know. And then it's the rest of the guys who sit around just like the prisoners. They don't know what's going to happen. They don't know whether they made the team, whether they didn't. All of a sudden, you're just waiting for that moment where the coach comes out, slaps the roster up on the wall. And if your name's on it, you made it. And if it's not there, you're not there. And that's kind of the way that, that that scene ends up is it's just boom. Now you're just waiting for what's coming next and you don't know what it is.
0: Well, wow. okay, that's a great analogy. Now, personally, I never played uh, basketball. I was I was into little league, so I, I had the same type of thing where you go for the tryouts, and then you know you have to wait. I, th- I think we had to wait until the next day when they would actually tell you who, which team you were you were put on because you know it was back in, in little league everyone gets on the team. <laughs> well, you know, I did
1: I did base, I did baseball too. Um, I did not do basketball. I tried to. I was not one of the names on the list in the eighth grade. So now that we've Brought up that childhood trauma. I'm gonna go see if I can find myself some moonshine.
0: <laughs> you do that, and and while you're doing that, you have anything else you want to say about this minute? Uh, I, I'm good on this minute. All right, great. Um, so why don't you tell people how they can get in touch with you, how they can find your blog, whatever.
1: Blog Dubsism D U B S I S M. It's a first page search result on Google. It's uh, what I like to call the world's most into World's most interesting independent sports blog on the web. Um, do a lot of crossover with movies. You can find me there. You can find me at Facebook. You can find me Instagram, Dubsism,
0: D-U-B-S-I-S-M. That's the key word. All right. Excellent. And while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcatcher they might be using to listen to this show. You can go to our website, thegreatescapeminute.com. Our email address is thegreatminute at gmail.com. Our Facebook group is The Cooler. And our Twitter account is GreatEscapeMXM. So, J.W., you want to come back tomorrow? I'm more than happy to come back if you'll have me. All right. Sounds great. So, until tomorrow,
1: tally-ho. And since I just watched Dr. Strangelove, I really want to sing Until We Meet Again, but I can't sing, so we'll see you tomorrow. (laughs) Tally-ho.